Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. Why audiences weren't attached to the Lego Movie 2. And what were the biggest decisions made at the TCAs? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs as we cover the realm of pop culture twice a week on all of our great radio stations and also our podcast channels. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without the Gundammeister himself. He is the Gundam pilot of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything going on today with humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It's my good friend. And he knows his Gundam. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? That's better. That's better. Okay. Okay. I, I can. I can deal with that. Let's. Let's. Let's roll with this. All right. Go on, sir. But it's going to be a great episode we've got for you today. We've got a lot to talk about this weekend at the box office. Some things happened as far as expectations not made, but also there were some expectations that weren't made at the box office. So we're going to do a little bit of crow eating when it comes to Mr. Josh has to anyways, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We've also got Rob McCallum stopping by in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He's here to share his two cents on Apex Legends. Anthony Barbarin is stopping by with his thoughts on the winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. Also as well, we've got Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com who we also wish a very, very happy fourth anniversary to. That's the TVRatingsGuide.com. Happy fourth anniversary to you. She's stopping by to give everyone out there their TV fix and our February TV update. She's going to talk about a lot of stuff that went on at the Television Critics Association meetings and announcements. And she's going to talk about that going on because it is a very newsworthy week and a very newsworthy time when it came to the TCAs. She's going to talk about all that went on during the course of the back half hour. Plus, also, we're going to chat a little bit about why you need to get into some Gundam, especially if it's on Netflix right now, because Mobile Gundam UC, aka Mobile Gundam Unicorn, is now available on Netflix. And we're going to tell you why you need to check it out here real soon. But first, my friend, it was an interesting weekend at the box office. I want to talk to you real quick about that. The Lego Movie 2 disappointed greatly i think it fell even further as far as the expectations for it than glass did 
falling to around $34 million this weekend, and it was projected to do as high as $60 million. Your thoughts on why the Lego Movie 2 did not hit with audiences? It's still kind of down overseas as well, so I don't think it's going to come anywhere close to the original Lego Movie. Well, here's the thing. I don't have any thoughts really on why it did poorly because I predicted that it was going to do well. So, yeah, I was wrong. But uh, I don't know, man. Do you think it's it's maybe it's just a, a weird weekend and people aren't going to the movies? You think that or it's raining? You think maybe that the weather has anything or well, it's raining here. But do you think maybe there are outside factors because it's just it seems that that would be a movie because I have a lot of friends who took their kids to see that movie. So I, I thought that it was going to do pretty well, but I haven't heard their opinions on it. But you probably have some, though. So what do you think is the reason? Well, the weather may have been a factor because it's bad out here as well. But that's only in the western part of the of the United States. But as you know, the United States as a whole, a great portion of it has been experiencing some really bad weather. And it could be attributed to at least some of the reasons why the Lego Movie 2 didn't hit with audiences. I don't want to say it's a weird weekend for the Lego Movie 2 because the original Lego Movie, I believe, also came out in February. They should have seen the, some signs as far as, I think, some fatigue when it comes to the Lego series. Because you have, what, the Lego Batman movie actually had some declining returns. Ninjago. Lego Ninjago did horrible. Absolutely one of the worst wide-released animated movies of all time. So that definitely uh, had to play into it. Can I ask you something? for? Yeah. So do you think, on that note, do you think that if there wasn't a Ninjago, there wasn't a Batman movie, do you think that Lego Movie 2 would have done better? I think so. I think Lego Batman was well thought of, but it just, again, didn't meet expectations of anywhere near what the Lego movie did. And then the Lego Ninjago movie, which has the same style of humor, even though it's really not based in that universe, but it still has that same type of humor. That movie just collapsed because of the fact that it just came out at a bad time in a bad place and there was really no kids that really wanted to see it. And I also think that the fact that it, it was just based in a children's concept and really no adults really wanted to go see it. I think the reason why the Lego movie did well originally was that not only you had in America anyways, you had a lot of kids seeing it, but their parents and adults were actually seeing it as well. And I think that's why it did so well here in the States. Unfortunately, this time around with the Lego Movie 2, you didn't have as many people that were eagerly waiting for it. And I think a lot of reason why is like what you said is because with the Lego Batman movie that it came out and the Lego Ninjago movie that came out after it, you saw a lot of residual declining returns because of it. That's kind of sad because now it's pretty much assured that Warner Brothers will not go ahead with a third installment of the series. Also, as well, some other, I guess, collectible type movies that, that are in development, like a Funko Pop movie and some others that have been mentioned and been rumored may or may not come out now simply because of the fact that, hey, if people are tired of Legos and they've been around forever, they're not going to go for our movie as well. Can we just get a Crash Dummies movie? Do you remember the cartoon and the action figures? I just want a uh, Crash Dummies movie. Let's do that. Or an animated Ghostbusters film. That would be awesome too. But as for Legos, I, I had this conversation with people. I think that Lego Movie 1 theaters, Lego Movie 2 theaters, but the bat, like the obscure properties, they should have been Netflix movies. You know, They should have been released 
straight to DVD like all the other ones were like Bionicle. Yeah, like Bionicle had Netflix films and straight to DVD stuff. So they should have done that. I feel like they got too high and got too full of themselves. And that's a danger with a lot of franchises is that they assume because one was good, the rest of them are going to do good. Like look at, you know, Star Wars. Yeah, it got big box office numbers, but critical reception was not what they hoped it would be, right? So it just goes to show you that nobody's immune, especially when it comes to things that appeal to family audiences. It still is not a good sign for the Lego movie, especially the fact if they had any plans on a trilogy, and it doesn't look like that's going to come anywhere near the case after the disappointing returns of the Lego movie, too. But I will talk about this weekend something I was just about right on. And that was What Men Want. Somebody's going to be eating a little bit of crow because What Men Want debuted this weekend at the box office domestically around $19 million, just a little bit off what predictions were saying. But it did come right around the $19, $20 million mark, which should be right around the, the actual production budget. So by the end of, let's say, next weekend, which is Valentine's Day weekend, because it is kind of like a date movie, I have a feeling it's going to end up right around 34, 35, maybe even close to $40 million and then go from there. It's going to make a nice little profit. And you know what? It's going to prove me right once again. It still looks dumb. Do you hear there's a sequel coming out? It's called What Dogs Want. It turns out that they want food. Didn't we have those type of movies already? Yeah, they were called they're called Air Bud and Beethoven and Homeward Bound. And didn't we have that with babies? Baby Genius? Baby Genius, but also Look Who's Talking movies? Look Who's Talking, yes, we did. So the answers are pretty obvious, but yet people still want to waste 12 of their hard-earned dollars to go see a movie like that. So, you know, God bless them, but it's just not something I'm interested in, and that's why I was hoping it wouldn't do well, I guess. But to, to You just wanted own. to see me proven wrong each once own, again. Right? <laughs> well, I got a running list here, so I'll, I'll get you on something. Oh, you'll get me on something. That's rest assured you will. But What Men Want actually did okay at the box office, finishing number two, almost meeting expectations at $19 million. And it looks like it's going to earn a little profit for the studio, which is a good story. And Cold Pursuit actually got a little teeny bit above expectations, even with all the controversy that Liam Neeson had gone through in the past couple of weeks with his unfortunate comments that he made to a publication. The movie still earned... $10.8 million domestically here at the box office. One of the now typical Liam Neeson revenge movies that we've seen him now so many times. Is it time for Liam Neeson to move into a different quarter as far as the different type of film? Because he was doing a lot of other different types of films before and it was more varied and it was a lot more enjoyable. For a minute, can we talk about that thing with Liam Neeson? Because I feel like that was incredibly stupid of him but it was it was also very brave of him to to come out and say something like that what do you think because i know we always disagree when it comes to this stuff i just want to know what your thoughts are real quick well he was honest and sometimes when you're honest like that it's going to cost you but he didn't have to say anything like that he didn't have to say anything at all he was honest and how can you fault someone for being honest and they're their intent now is is as far as being a good person leading a good example and a good life you know, he had uh, some real anger in his heart at one point in time, and it was misplaced. But I, obviously, he had some reason why, because of the fact that you know there were some tragic events with someone who he cared deeply for. 
And that's just a human reaction with a lot of people. Something happens to someone so near and dear to you, and uh, unfortunately, you act maybe not in the most rationale of fashions. And he didn't have to say a word about it to this publication, but he did. He chose to be honest. And unfortunately, in the today's politically correct environment, you're lambasted no matter what your thoughts on it. And I, I don't think he holds any anger or hatred in his heart at this point in time. But you know what? Unfortunately, not the whole entire universe sees it that way. It didn't stop the people from going that wanted to go see his films to going seeing his film. But I think at some point in time, you got to realize there's some declining returns when it comes to Liam Neeson in another revenge action flick. And Liam Neeson needs to reevaluate where he is. He actually said he was going to retire from action films at one point in time and then recanted on it. I think he needs to reevaluate that and maybe go ahead and say, you know what? I think I'm done with action films and going back to some of the other things that helped make me famous and also make me appreciated as a good actor. Okay, two things. One, you guys all heard it here first. Me and Gerald here actually agreed on something relating to social issues. So let's get a round of applause here. And also, I think what everyone really wants is just a true sequel to Love Actually. You know, that's the, I'm going to throw that out there and uh, feel free to toss it back at me. But that's what I want. So that was basically the top three at the box office domestically. If you've got any questions or if you'd like to shout out as far as your opinions on the Lego Movie 2, Cold Pursuit, and the movie I Got Right, What Men Want, sorry, Josh, let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. When we return, we've got three great interviews coming up for you. We've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire talking Apex Legends. We also have Anthony Barbarin coming up with his thoughts on the NBA trade deadline. And then last but not least, we've got our February TV update with our good friend Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. And once again, a happy fourth anniversary to them. She's going to be stopping by to talk about the TCAs and some of the major decisions that were made when it concerns ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, the CW, and cable as well. And on the back end of the show, we're going to talk about some reasons why you need to check out the latest Gundam series that's on Netflix and and get more into the Gundam series as a whole. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. But it wouldn't be a cosmic crossfire without my good friend. He is the man behind 
Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out everything going on at robmccallumfilms.com. Also as well, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. He's all over the place. Rob McZob. You got to find him. He's out there and he's posting a lot of great new content because he's got a lot of great things to announce. It is my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. So pray tell, Rob, what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? I wanted to talk about Apex Legends which has now entered the free-to-play Battle Royale fray and hopes to compete with Fortnite. Of course, this is from EA. And it makes sense that EA would enter the space, but does it? I mean, how often does the late entry really change the game? And you bring up MySpace dominating what social media was in the in the very early days of, of what it could be with the online profile. And of, and of course, you know, Facebook came up through the ranks and, and slowly overtook it and changed how all that stuff was done. But how often does that really happen with a late entry changing the status quo? I mean, I think of stuff like soft drinks, Coke and Pepsi, that's it. You're not going to have another cola at this point that comes up and, and changes the game. Well, Apex Legends is getting some rave reviews. A lot of players are seemingly getting into it. It does seem like it's very familiar to Call of Duty fans because it does move and act very similarly to what we've seen from the Call of Duty because it comes from Call of Duty veterans at Respawn Entertainment. And it does look like a, it looks like a combination of what it would be if you had Call of Duty and Overwatch. We're trying to give you characters that you can go ahead and be a part of and want to go ahead and get into with that Overwatch has. And that that's probably a, a big draw when it comes to Overwatch. And it also has the sheer action and fluidity and speed of what Call of Duty is all about. So you see that minor mix of both with, I think, a lot of things that you would take away from a little bit of Fortnite, a little bit of Borderlands. Some of those elements are mixed in there as well. So it is something that a lot of people are liking and getting into. Whether or not they're going to get into it as much as you, as you would say a PUBG or even Fortnite remains to be seen. I know EA and 2K, their shares went down in the past few days, even though they reported gains and some expected profits and whatnot and some even that went above expectation their stock went down simply because of what is dominating the marketplace at this point in time when it comes to Fortnite and PUBG. so ea introducing this out there it seems to be something that might be a nice alternative whether or not it reaches a larger or mass audience it did hit 1 million concurrent users within i think the first eight hours so that's off to a great start but let's see where it goes from there, the microtransactions that are involved. We know EA already and microtransactions are not necessarily a great thing as we've seen with Battlefront in the past. So I'd like to see what's going on there. The future of Respawn Entertainment as a whole is kind of up in the air because they've got Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that's expected to come out this year that was announced by EA at its recent shareholders conference. And then Respawn has said it's not delving into a Titanfall 3 at any time soon, per se. They haven't totally shelved that idea, but they are introducing a Titanfall, most likely a VR option at some point in time this year as well. So it's not going to be Titanfall 3. A lot of people are disappointed by that. But Apex Legends, Titans Free, which is another deal I think is with a lot of people that had hoped to actually see put in there are the big Titans from Titanfall. But this is going to be Titan Free. I think it is still is going to be something that a lot of people enjoy. It's getting rave reviews across the board. So it looks like at least from the time being that it's going to be something that might be a nice alternative for people hoping to get away a little bit from 
PUBG and Fortnite. What what it honestly reminds me of, like very clearly, is when World of Warcraft was, you know, two or three years old and, and still the number one MMO to play out there. And like Star Wars Galaxies came out. And it's like, okay, here's a Star Wars MMO. And then it was just plagued by lots of small, small problems the more you got into it. And I feel like this is the same kind of thing. It just it just feels like too late to the table. Doesn't matter what what's behind it. You're just late to the table. So instead of like trying to play at the same party, you're much better off to figure out the, the next thing and put your resources there. Just just my two cents on the whole thing. Because like you said, between Fortnite and PUBG, you know, what else do you need? You know, you want you really want to make an impact, then make it battlefield, you know, online or battlefront free to play. Right now, Respawn Entertainment is trying to reach out and doing things differently than what they've done before because Titanfall 1 and 2, while both were critically hailed, they both underwhelmed when it came to monetary and sales expectations compared to the other EA offerings. So at this point in time, it's a wait and see with Apex Legends to see how well it does, but it's off to a decent start. And I think a lot of people are enjoying it. I think at least good word of mouth is it actually a very good start for Apex Legends. So any last thoughts, my friend, on the way out on another great edition of the Cosmic Crossfire? I look forward to entering the Cosmic Crossfire whenever it might happen again. Also for us, it's great to have you on the show. Once again, it is Rob McCallum, the director of Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. You got to check all the info out as it becomes available on robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, at Rob McZob, not Pokey Rob, but at Rob McZob on Twitter, and so much more. Rob, it's always great to have you on the show. Great to have you on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And of course, right here in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, we're back once again. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos and our good friends at Inside Sports. Once again, it's our good friend, our resident NBA expert, Anthony Barbarin, right here. One thing I got to talk to you about, my friend, are the actual winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. If you can share with me first a couple of your winners when it comes to the NBA trade deadline. My winners, number one is Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia wanted to get a player like that to fit with these young guys. They're a a market team who can attract free agents, but a lot like Sacramento, where you're building around your young stars and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but you're putting, pushing your chips to the front of the, into the middle of the table while you have the opportunity. While they're still on rookie deals, while they're still on young deals, and you can afford top flight players, it's time to go now to get Tobias Harris, to get a guy like that who's averaging 20 points a game, shooting almost 50% from the field, 40% from three. He's an unselfish player. He's a fit player. 
I think that starting five, what that gives them is, is tremendous in, the, in not just the Eastern Conference, but in the entire league, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I like I like what Dallas did to get Porzingis to try to build a nucleus for the future. I think that was a good move. I think it was a good, solid move for what's to come. You have a young star in Luka Doncic. For all intents and purposes, Kristaps looked to be a star. You just have to get him healthy. If he can stay healthy and he can play, you have two young stars, European guys who then help your brand as the Dallas Mavericks as a global brand. It puts you in different markets. It's also going to allow you to compete. You also put yourself in a position to get a possible future young star in the draft. I like what they did. I like what the Clippers did. I like the fact that they said, okay, let's get these draft picks. I still, I think they still want to take their shot at Anthony Davis. They have high hopes for Kawhi. They even, they, they even have high hopes for Kevin Durant. They're pushing, so to say, their own chips in the middle of the table, not for a championship, but for building a roster that can consistently compete for a championship. The Jerry West effect is uh, very evident with the Clippers. I'll tell you what, those are three excellent choices. I want to add another team on it as well, and that's the other side of the equation when it comes to the Kristaps Porzingis trade, and that is the New York Knicks. Not only did they pick up a former high first-round draft pick in Dennis Smith Jr., and you can just get a test run to see how he's going to do and fit in their offense, you also get two more first-round draft picks, plus you free up a ton of cap space. So now you can not only go for one, but two free agents in the summer and then also possibly end up getting the first draft pick the way that they're headed with the lack of success they're having this season, they could end up having the number one pick in Zion Williamson, which they could then trade off with one of those number one picks that they got from Dallas and transform that into Anthony Davis. So if you hear the rumors correctly, they could have a shot by the end of the summer having Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, and also Kevin Durant. So I think the moves by the New York Knicks, and I can't believe I'm saying this as well, the New York Knicks actually did something very good for once. And that actually works out well because they, Kristaps Persingas did not want to play for the Knicks. He had just gone in there and demanded a trade. They knew he was unhappy. They knew it was something that could be potentially long-term issues with injuries and whatnot but if you're Dallas you got to take that chance you got to see if he's going to have enough talent to be healthy for long term and for both teams it worked out but I really liked what it did for the New York Knicks for the future and finally the Knicks fans might have something to look forward to in the possible near future we have the winners for the NBA trade deadline but then there's also unfortunately the losers your thoughts on the NBA losers obviously Lakers have to be somewhat of losers because they didn't get Anthony Davis, although they didn't have to give up the farm there, but the trade of Otto Porter Jr. to Chicago really has me scratching my head on what they're doing in Chicago. Yeah, I agree. To me, Chicago is the loser here. Why would you take that Otto Porter contract? That's one of the worst contracts in the entire league. Took it off their hands. You put Washington in a position to, I I think they were quietly, maybe not one of the winners, but they had a, a really solid trade deadline in Washington. They got out, they got out of that contract who nobody thought they'd be able to get from under. You got a guy in Bobby Portis who in his first game showed I can play this game, but with Chicago it, it's 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 head scratching, mind-boggling. What what are you doing? What do you what do you see in Otto Porter 
that makes you think he's a guy worth trading for with that contract. He's not an $11 million guy. He's a 20 plus million dollar a year contract guy. And he's not a $20 million a year player. It handicaps you and it puts you in a position to do nothing from my standpoint. So I, I think they are the big losers. As you were talking about in the, in the Lakers fiasco, I honestly don't think the Lakers are the losers in this. In that scenario, I think New Orleans was the loser. I think their egos were hurt, their pride was hurt, and they didn't want to trade Anthony Davis. But I don't think you're going to get a better haul than what was offered to you by the Lakers. You were going to get Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and you were going to get draft picks. You're going to get two top five players, two top five draft picks in the last few years. You're going to get a guy who, if he was redrafted, would have been a top five draft pick in Kyle Kuzma. Guys who you could also have swung for other players to build a roster. And instead, you let your pride get in the way and you want to keep a guy who's let you know he doesn't want to be there. You could have also, in that stretch, if you traded Anthony Davis, traded away Drew Holiday and got more players and more potential to build a team. Because like I said with Sacramento, you're a small market team. You're holding on to a big name player for what he brings as far as star power, fanfare, ticket sales, but you're not going to win. So you see a guy like that uh, or a team like that and you're Anthony Davis, you're not going to convince him to stay there. We're in an era now as far as players in what I call the LeBron era, the, the LeBron enlightening, where players realize they have the power. It's no longer you go where you're traded. All you have to say is I'm not going to sign there. Most teams are smart enough to realize I'm not going to trade my key assets for a free agent, big name superstar or not, that's not going to resign. So, yeah, it sounds good. Oh, now we have the opportunity to negotiate with Boston. But if Anthony Davis says, I'm not going to Boston, I'm not staying in Boston, why would Boston trade away their key assets, their young players, their young superstars for a guy who's not going to stay there? You would basically demolish your entire franchise if you did that. My friend, it's always great to have you on the show. Always great to have you part of the Pop Culture Cosmos and also on Inside Sports as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? And we are back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald coming right back at you. It's that time of the month again. It is our TV fix. We needed it. It's been a little while. And once again, to give us that TV fix is our good friend. She is one of the Best TV reporters out there from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great things going on at the TVRatingsGuide.com with all their original content, all the renew, cancel updates, their reviews, their articles, and so much more. It is my good friend, Miss Jessica Boggs. What's up, Jess? Yeah, there was a lot of renewals. February's here, and the TV Critics Association, nicknamed the TCAs, just came and went, and there was a lot of news coming from that. I know the CW went renewal crazy earlier this week. Oh, yes. They did go renewal crazy. 
every okay. single show except for All American. Just could have done that in advance. Just could have just made it simple, made it easy. Instead of saying they're renewing all these shows one by one by one, and just say, you know what, All American, you're done. Goodbye. And just <laughs> left it at that. But there are a lot of things you want to discuss, especially when it comes to the TCAs. CBS is most surprising. Okay, so a lot of things happened with CBS, and I know that a lot of the TV world centers around what CBS is doing. I know they have a lot of shows, which you and I have talked about before, feel kind of samey, and it's always nice if they go ahead and, and shake things up, but tell us, what went on with CBS this week and the major changes that took place? Well, this week they renewed Mom for two seasons, seasons seven and eight, they gave him a two-season renewal, and they also renewed God Friended Me, FBI, The Neighborhood, and the Madden P.I. reboot for second seasons. Wasn't sure on God Friended Me just because of the fact that the Sunday lineup, the viewing audience always seems to be kind of all over the place when it comes to when it watches on Sunday, so I wasn't sure if that one was going to be able to make it, but it looks like God was a friend indeed. So I want to hear more about what's going on with your thoughts on the TCAs. We expected like a lot of news to come out with the renewals, but they were all mostly no-brainers for the most part. But I was a little surprised with what the networks chose with the renewals. Because some of the ones were on the cut line and they were leaning towards cancellation. It looks like that they got a renewal. Yeah, with a million little things... I think the only reason why I got like a season two renewal was because of the ratings resurgence. And that's a good thing because it looked like it was dead on the time slot when it was airing on Wednesday, 10 PM. But now that it airs behind Grey's Anatomy, the ratings went back up and it's been steady for quite it a bit of time. It has been steady. I know there's a lot of other good things you want to talk about when it comes to ABC, but also a major announcement about a long-running show that will be coming to an end. Let me guess. Modern Family has been renewed for a final season. Yep, that was the case. I know a lot of people were sad to hear that news, but it wasn't unexpected because of the declining ratings over the course of time. So this came not out of left field. So I think the finality of it all, I think it hit social media pretty hard. Well, yeah. Like, I think for me, as a numbers person, I expected it to go on for at least one more season to the point that it probably would get canceled like Criminal Minds. But except Criminal Minds got the final season renewal as well. And so the end is nigh for both shows next season. It looks like it, and uh, it looks like a lot of other shows in the future going forward, that might be a trend where any show that has like three, four, five seasons in, they'll get like a final season for some, maybe it's a final abbreviated season. That seems to be the trend now in Hollywood, in the TV industry, and that they just don't get an automatic cutoff. But if it's a anywhere of a, a show that has run any length of time, that they'll at least get some type of closure, which is good for fans and good for TV audiences, especially the fact that it's going to provide some continuity down the road if you want to go ahead and stream it or watch it on video at some point in time down the road. I know NBC had some things to talk about during this past week as well when it comes to the TV marketplace. So share the goods on what's going on at 
the number one entity right now in the TV marketplace, NBC? Well, the number one show is currently AGT Champions. It's doing pretty well. It's doing a lot better than the Titan Games, which is airing on Thursday. The Titan Games right now is crumbling at the moment. And also in the television critics, there was a renewal of New Amsterdam, but not Manifest. Which to me was surprising because of the fact that Manifest, even though it hasn't been decided as of yet, it came out like gangbusters. I know you and I talked about the quality of the acting, which I thought was subpar. And it looks like maybe the quality of the show is catching up with the ratings. The idea was novel. The idea was very Lost-esque. I should say, because of the type of feel that it gave off and the type of vibes it gave off originally. But it looks like the quality of the acting and the quality of storytelling and the quality of the the writing and whatnot has caught up with it. It's in limbo right now. But I know a lot of other things when it comes to Fox, which has had a resurgence in the ratings as well. Yes, we got The Masked Singer, which is continuing to do well for the network. And it's It's literally the number one show on TV. And we thought the world's best was going to have the same mark for CBS, but apparently Fox did it right. It looks like Fox has done it right. Not only the social media all over the place talking about it and and trying to figure out who is that person behind the mask that's singing. And the lineup is not impressive once you see about it as far as all the celebrities and whatnot. They they seem to just be recycled from other types of shows of the similar type of ilk as far as competition shows are concerned. But you know what? It makes for a fun conversation about trying to guess who it is. So it's actually a very cool concept. And you're right. Fox looks like it has gotten it right. And it's just gone by leaps and bounds as far as the ratings are concerned. It's the number one non-sports or news-related program right now of 2019. So I believe that is just something to be lauded about. And there are other things going on at Fox as well that's pretty cool. But I know there's also some troubling signs for a lot of shows from what I saw on your latest renew cancel about some likely cancellations. Oh yes. We got Star, we got The Resident, The Orville on the cancellation list. And a lot of it has nothing to do with the ratings initially, but it has something to do with the transition to new Fox. Smackdown is coming on Fridays and we have Thursday night football. So that's gonna cut a lot of shows out of the middleman. There's another conversation for another day on WWE SmackDown moving to Fox because there's been some issues with the overall WWE product and it's led to a downturn in ratings for many years. But within the last year, there's been a precipitous drop and it has had some very, very low ratings. In fact, historically low ratings for the programs Raw and SmackDown over the course of the past few weeks So I'm interested to hear your thoughts later on this year as it nears time for WWE SmackDown to appear on Fox, if it's still a wise investment for Fox to go ahead and invest in the WWE. And then you've got, like you said, football is always something that's going to be there for ratings. I know ratings for the regular season went up, but ratings for the Super Bowl went down. So figure that one out. So I guess because the, the game itself was not exactly anything to scream about. It was the lowest scoring game of all time. It actually beat the 1973 Super Bowl 
as in the total number of points scored. So that'll do it. I, I know as far as the second, third, and fourth, people were hoping would get better and unfortunately just didn't. So maybe that was the, the big cause right there. I do want to ask you, there's a lot of stuff going on with cable. And from what I saw in your notes, the first thing you want to talk about is a mini series that they're currently running through right now called I Am The Night on TNT, starring Christopher Pine, directed by Patty Jenkins, famous from Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984. So I want to hear your thoughts on I Am The Night. This time last year, I was raving about The Alienist. It seems like TNT is hitting on a button where early in the year, they want to go ahead and start some type of mystery, suspense, thriller type deal as far as a short series is concerned. It worked very well in The Alienist. Has it worked just as well for I Am The Night? It initially started as high as The Alienist, but in recent ratings, it has gone down to like a 0.25. So it's pretty much mediocre. It's not exactly the same as The Alienist. Now that's a shame, although you know me, I told you before, I love The Alienist, thought it was an excellent series. The I Am The Night has its charm from what I've seen, but it, you're right, it's still something that may not be able to meet those expectations from what they did last year with a suspense at TNT. But there are more things going on in the world of Turner when it comes to all the different things as far as the cable systems are concerned, but not only the Turner networks, but so much more when it comes to cable. Yeah, recently TNT is currently airing Snoop Dogg Presents the Joker's Wild and Drop the Mic, and they switched the time slots. On TBS, Joker's Wild was first and then Drop the Mic. Now TNT has Drop the Mic and then the Joker's Wild. And it's really showing in the ratings. Maybe that was a terrible move on TNT's part. Whereas it really showed that Joker's Wild was a weaker show than in its TBS run. Drop the Mic is the more novel show and the novel program, especially if you get two individuals that are off the cuff that can perform really, really well. That show really hits on some high marks that very few other competition shows can match. That's just my opinion, but I really think as far as an entertainment value, it is really strong and it's high point, but it looks like the switch is not paying off. Let me say this, like Joker's Wild was the lead-in on TBS, whereas Drop the Mic is the lead-in on TNT. With the switch in networks comes the switch in time slots, and it's in the 10 o'clock hour, it's not just, paying off. It doesn't sound like it's paying off. That's very disappointing, but you've got some more things to talk about when it comes to cable. So what's going on in the world of cable? Well, The Magicians is getting another season on sci-fi before it ever premiered. And we're currently seeing Deadly Class. And Deadly Class right now is doing kind of mediocre overall, but still good for sci-fi because sci-fi ratings are not that great. And I have seen the first three episodes of Deadly Class. I'll just say... Uh, the writing is a little off, a little cheesy. Some of the sub-characters, the side characters, are stereotypical caricatures of the 1980s in a synopsis. It does try to do too much. And I know the comic book at the, that inspires it, I know the comic book creator has a heavy hand in it. And it, it is a very well thought of comic book. 
I will say I enjoy it still because the fact that four of the lead characters are really strong for the lead characters you can see. Uh, I mean, I'll just put it to you this way. It's one of those shows that you will see maybe five, 10 years down the line and say, you know what? That's where some really good actors and actresses came from because those top four actors and actresses, they are really good. You can see the talent that they have and they really carry the show into something that is, is watchable. It is a different concept. It is NSFW. But it is something that's there for sci-fi. And I think sci-fi, even with the ratings being mediocre, should still stick with it for the long term. That's correct. We also have, like on Freeform, we have Grownish and Good Trouble. Good Trouble recently was renewed. Despite having ratings that were not as great as the parent show, The Fosters, at the end of its run. Well, and that's something I want to ask you. Okay, the Fox Disney merger is almost about to happen. Okay, we're we're almost upon it. If you look at it, there are so many networks that Disney would be in charge of. If that's the case, that should be a bigger priority than Freeform. Do you see an end for Freeform at some point in time due to the Disney Fox merger? I would actually want to get your opinion on that because I'm thinking: is there a need for Freeform? And even to an extent, a little bit, the Disney Channel, although I don't want to say that too much because, you know, they're, obviously the, the kids programming before noon is so important to them. It's just that afternoon and the evening is just something that they've, that's been hit or miss with the Disney Channel. But Freeform, I've actually joked before, and you've heard my joke before, that I just thought it was a place that actually only people watched if they wanted to see Harry Potter reruns. So I want to hear your thoughts with FX landing in Disney's lap, Disney has said during the TCAs this week that FX will be a priority with programming. Your thoughts on Freeform actually still being in existence to some extent after the Disney-Fox merger? Well, I kind of feel like in the next year or two, it's going to probably be deprioritized, just like Viacom had deprioritized CMT and TV Land to some extent which is why there are no scripted shows on TV land or CMT at the moment. Just, you know, and that in itself is surprising after there were some pretty good shows that were on both CMT and TV land. So I, I agree with you that at some point in time, I think they're just either going to shutter it or de-emphasize it greatly because how many networks do you really need to run on cable and how efficient and how profitable will it be long-term? And you know, Disney's all about profit at the house of the mouse. So you know it's all about how much profit can it generate. And I can't imagine Freeform at some point in time generating that much profit, especially as it gets more and more into the year. And and while I like the fact that they were able to renew a couple shows, even one that was on a not too good line as far as cancellation is concerned, I still don't see a long-term future or a long-term reason why you should keep Freeform on the air. I know you had a little bit more to talk about when it comes to television. So share us your thoughts on what else is going on in the world of cable. Viacom this past week released their quarter one report and it highlighted MTV's ratings resurgence and how Paramount Pictures is coming back from near death to profitability. MTV's ratings resurgence with the focus on unscripted reality for the past two years we still don't get scream season three but we have the challenges doing really strong 
at the moment. Well, with MTV, God forbid they would want to show any music television anymore on MTV. I <laughs> want my MTV. Bad Mark Knopfler impersonation <laughs> there. Or actually, that was Sting, actually, that sung it for Mark Knopfler's, Mark Knopfler's group at that time. But I digress. That's an old 80s thing. Yeah. We still have some form of music on the television type part, but it's usually in the morning hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When no one watches MTV. Yes, yes. But it's all about prime time with a great deal of these networks. And that's understandable. I mean, that's when they run their ad times as far as the, the highest prices. That's when most eyes are watching. So that's that's definitely understandable. Any last thoughts on the TCAs or anything that's going on in the world of television? I was really surprised with the two-season renewal of Mom. And usually... For WB shows, the recent shows that are mid-tier in the ratings, they usually get canceled after six seasons. But Mom, my thought is, because the Big Bang Theory is ending this year, that's why they're doing this. And, and also, Big Bang and Young Sheldon ratings are actually at its highest point of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes. So it looks like they want to go ahead and do a Young Sheldon lead-in to a mom and maybe mom can get that ratings boost from it plus mom is already in syndication so they've got to be making a chunk of change off of that one last thing i want to ask you about is that you didn't announce that took place during the tcas and that was the big announcement of the simpsons not only getting 31 but into the season 32 so your thoughts on a two season renewal which will take the series over 700 episodes. Well, I was a little surprised with The Simpsons because the ratings are down, like outside of football. And we were just mentioning that maybe the end is close to being the nigh. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I think they want to hit a magic 700 episodes. But it, it has been renewed for seasons 31 and 32. It will reach over 700 episodes, which is, to me, mind-boggling that way back when, when I watched the original episode, that anything like that would happen. Or when it was just a bit segment on the Tracy Ullman show, for goodness sake. What I thought of it at the time, I thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of funny. But little did I know 32 years later that it's going to be ending up like that with a chance to go over 700 episodes. Once again, we have Jessica Boggs. She is part of the amazing crew at the TV Ratings Guide. You want to check out everything they've got going on today at the thetvratingsguide.com. Also, they've got a lot of the cancel renew indexes on all the major networks and cable television. They've got a ton of original work that they'd like to go ahead and present to you because they present it in the form of original TV programming style. So it's very unique and you got to check it out. All the great shows that they go ahead and create there, plus also reviews, articles, and so much more. Jessica, personally, are you working on anything new coming up for the TVRainsGuide.com? Well, currently, I got original scripts, writer's block running currently. They're airing their episode seven of their respective seasons. You're doing an amazing job there. Your plate is always full. I see you on Twitter all the time talking about this, doing that, doing that. Plus, you're doing all the stuff you're writing about when it comes to the TVRainsGuide.com. 
just a tremendous job as always. And of course, I truly appreciate you stopping by, you having some time to, to meet with me each and every month as we talk the TV world. The TCAs were very important and no less newsworthy this time around. Jessica, it's always great to have you on the show. Can't wait till we talk next month and get our monthly TV fix right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald coming right back at you. If you need a listing of where we're at, anywhere we're being played all around the world, we've got a listing of all of our great radio stations on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, plus also listing on our social media on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, if you need a listing of some of the podcast networks that we're on, like Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, our great one-hour radio edit channel that's there, Podchaser, the Tangibound Network, Gunna Geek Network, the ESO Network, and more. Check it out today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, you also see our listings on our, all of our social media. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What's going on with Humanica Media? Just posted the first part of our... Uh award show episode so we're going through all of our best movies of 2018 we each got our own awards and we nominated some stuff and uh, you can check it out now it's a pretty wide variety of films it's not everyone kind of has their own taste but definitely check that out it's out now on podbean itunes podcast.com all the usual places and also we i started filming some promo materials for sega forever so the wheels have started turning and there will be more out on that soon Oh, that's awesome to hear. And once again, you can find out all the stuff that's going on at HumanicaMedia.com, HumanicaMedia on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And I want to say thank you so much to Rob McCallum for sharing his thoughts on Apex Legends, Anthony Barberin for his thoughts on the winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. Catch the entire interview with Anthony Barberin on the NBA trade deadline, where we, where we get into great detail on some of the best trades that we thought that were out there that were made last week, and a whole lot more. That's going to be on the Inside Sports channel on Podbean. That's the entire conversation that we have on the NBA trade deadline. Plus, I want to give a big thank you to Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. Happy anniversary once again. Thank you for taking the time, as always, for getting that TV fix for our February TV update. Before we head on out, my friend, I want to ask you real quick, Netflix is showing some great stuff as far as the anime. I just appreciate what they're doing when it concerns the anime scene. They've got a lot of stuff going on with Castlevania, Godzilla, Halo Legends is on there, you know, Castlevania, like I said, Robotech. Your thoughts on why people need to point towards Gundam and the Mobile Suit Gundam you see, aka Unicorn series, you see Gundam like it's it's almost like it's written for adults. It's written for adults 
that grew up liking that kind of thing. But it's also written at a point where you can just jump into it. So you don't have to have... Because all the Gundams are kind of on their own timeline, except like UC has a timeline that has, you know, a few other things in it. But like you don't have to watch all those to really understand what's going on. You can kind of just jump into it because they repeat the history of the, of that timeline so much in that show, which is actually like a series of movies. But they talk about it so much that you don't really need to know much of the backstory. Kid gets put in robot. Robot goes to war. It's not that simple, but I mean, as far as like what you need to know backstory wise, that's all there is. But the philosophical themes in this show are intense. Like what happens when the younger generation is left to clean up the mess left by the older generation? What do they think? Politics change. Ideas change. Because, you know, you look at things today, you look at, you know, things like Social Security and you look at you know just the way the economy worked and stuff like that. Like there are all these things in place that the older generation has done. But it's kind of leaving this trail of destruction for the younger generation coming up. And they kind of take that and put it into a science fiction, like with, with Gundam. Like they're, they're left to clean up the mess left by the previous generation. So you have this kid who controls this Gundam, and he really is like the hope of the universe. I don't want to spoil anything because it's, it's going to be hard until you get to the end to really talk about what's going on in this. But the idea of like a, a child soldier, stuff like that, it's it's all very interesting. It's all it's kind of political, kind of philosophical, but it's got something in there for everyone. It's a very emotional cartoon. It's something that's made for every generation. But, it, you know, obviously you don't want to show younger kids this kind of thing just because it's got a little more violence than what they might be used to. But. But what do you think so far? What are your thoughts? Sometimes I get turned off when series revolves around a teenager or a kid, because sometimes they just don't have the acting chops at that age that's developed to pull it off. But with what's being voice acted at this point is, is really good. I'm really enjoying the story centering around the teenager, Banniger Links. I really think that it's worth revolving around to about his ideals about what he wants to do and how the world is taking shape with what's going on. The you know, Like you said, the difference in politics, how that's being structured and how that's being fought against and resisted against with the whole idea of the Unicorn Gundam taking place right in the middle of it. So to me, it's actually been very interesting to watch and to see. It's very compelling. I think it's really good so far. I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm almost halfway through it. So I think it's been very good so far, and I, I look forward to more episodes when it comes to Mobile Suit Gundam UC. Yeah, definitely start with Gundam Unicorn and then move on to Iron-Blooded Orphans, and that'll kind of give you a taste of what the Gundam universe is. Like I said, it's a great series overall. If you get a chance and you have Netflix, and we know many of you out there do, hopefully it'll give Mobile Suit Gundam UC a try. It's definitely worth a watch, and I'm pretty sure you'll be glad you did. What are your thoughts out there on Mobile Suit Gundam UC? Your thoughts on that? It's available on Netflix. If you've caught it already, please let us know. Or if you want more reasons why you should catch Mobile Suit Gundam UC, please share your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So it's been a great episode coming up this Friday. It's going to be a great pleasure for me and I think Josh as well on our PCC Multiverse because we're going to be talking at length in regards to Alita Battle Angel. This movie is a movie that's been all over the place. It's been moved back. It's had a lot of controversy. It's under litigation. But there is hope that it actually could provide audiences with a good time. 
We're going to talk about that movie on our Friday episode. Plus also as well, I hope to get an interview and talk a little bit more of the upcoming NASCAR season because Daytona 500 is right around the corner. Plus, we're going to be talking a little bit more, hopefully on some more Gundam as well. Next week on the Pop Culture Cosmos, I want to go in, into detail about CES 2019 as our final thoughts on it and play all the rest of our interviews that were out there that I've got on file that should be played because they've got some great information that everybody needs to know about. Plus also, Josh actually wanted to talk to me about my thoughts on CES, and I want to make sure I, I share those thoughts before we go on with the rest of the year in pop culture. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Okay, auditions for the new Earth Station Who co-host. Take one, go ahead. Hello, Stonehenge, who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe, but, bad news everyone, cause guess who, ha, listen, you lot you're always in about, it's really very distracting, could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking. Not too shabby, can you close this up? Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. You never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition? We'll get back to you. Next. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.